Live from the MacGyver Project Studios in sunny, warm Wisconsin, it's Nick with the Outstanding Authors Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to Vicki Make, author of Growing Up on the Gridiron, Football, Friendship, and the Tragic Life of Owen Thomas. Owen Thomas was a student and football player at the University of Pennsylvania who committed suicide in his junior year. His brain was then studied by scientists, and it was discovered that he had chronic traumatic encephalopathy, also known as CTE. This is a book primarily about Owen's life, but which also delves into the issue of CTE in football. I also have a personal connection to this story. Owen Thomas was my next-door neighbor growing up. He was eight years younger than I was, so I didn't interact with him very much, and my limited interactions with him were from when he was a little kid. His parents, Tom and Kathy, were pastors in the UCC uh, United Church of Christ. His brother, Matt, was a year older than I was, so I knew him the best. His brother, Morgan, was about two years older than Owen, and uh, so about six years younger than I am. So now that I've set the scene, let's give Vicki a call. Hello? Hi, Vicki. Hi. Hi, this is Nick. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Madison, Wisconsin. I am. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I'm in Wisconsin. It's very uh, cold here right now. Well, I went to school in the Midwest, so I noticed those things right away. Right away. I went to college. I went to college in Illinois. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. You're no stranger to cold and snow. That's. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And where are you based right now? Well, right now I'm in northeastern Pennsylvania. I live in the in the Wilkes-Barre Scranton area because I had been working for. Um, the last, oh gosh, 11 years for Wilkes University that's in Wilkes-Barre. The first seven years I was at Wilkes, I commuted from the Lehigh Valley. I was still living in Schnecksville, but um, four years ago I, re- I relocated up here because the, the commute was getting old. What can I say? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that you actually lived in Schnecksville. Was that just to work on the book or were you? Living- um, no, no. I actually um, lived in Schnecksville for more than 20 years. Oh. Um, yeah, my daughter. My daughter graduated from Parkland in two thousand and four. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it, it was. It was, and it was just by chance that it was just by chance that I ended up writing a book that was based in a place that I knew. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. we'll we'll have a lot to talk about then. Um, oh, yeah, because for some reason I think I had read that you were um, you had worked for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and so I kind of just thought that you were based in Pittsburgh. I didn't realize that you actually lived in Schnucksville. Uh, no, I, I'm a Pittsburgh native, and I spent the first decade of my career in Pittsburgh. For, what, for whatever reason, that is the part of my bio that the marketing people chose to associate with my book. I've, okay. been, I've, I've been in, uh, I was a journalist for about 15 years, and then I went into like higher ed, higher ed communications. I edited alumni magazines at three different institutions. So it was still a form of journalism, but it was not mainstream journalism. So, okay. yeah. So that's what I was doing. And what what part of Schnecksville did you live in? Um, I lived in the development that they call um, Penn Hills, which yes. is behind, you know, you know where Penn Hills is, sure. behind High Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, well, yeah, well, I'm excited to talk to you about this, this book. Um, it was really interesting for me to read, uh, especially because of my knowledge of the family and of the area. And um, I mean, it's it's definitely sad and it's it's hard to read at times. But um, I thought it was really well well written. And, and um, 
I guess my, my first question is, um, how did you hear about the story uh, of, of, of Owen and what got you interested? Okay, well, as I mentioned, even though I had lived in, in that community for more than two decades, and I lived like five minutes from um, the church where Owen's father was, was uh, pastor, I um, had never attended that church until um, I started going occasionally um, about uh, a year before Owen died. Um, I, I never knew Owen. Owen was already at the University of Pennsylvania by the time I started to occasionally attend services at, at that church. Um, when Owen died, um, I was invited to become a part. They set up a, a, a one of those uh, memorial pages on Facebook, RIP Owen Thomas. And I was invited to become a member of, of that page. And because I knew uh, Tom, Pastor Tom Thomas, um, you know, I joined it. Um, and I, there was something about the way uh, Owen's friends and his teachers and his coaches talked about him on that page. I really became intrigued. I, they said some really incredible things about him. It was obvious that even though he was only 21 when he when he passed, um, that he had made a huge impact on a lot of people's lives. So I, I became really intrigued by just the basic question, you know, who was Owen Thomas and how did this young man, who was obviously a great guy, how did he come to this, this really sad and tragic end? And then, you know, as time went on, I, I, and I actually started to think about writing a book about him just a few months after his, his passing, I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that there was a story there. And then, um, you know, it, it emerged that he had CTE. But that was not my original uh, uh, focus for the book. That was sort of uh, became another part of the story. And what is your background in football as far as like, do you consider yourself a football fan or and how has, has that evolved over time? Um, well, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and, you know, the, I always, you, you know, football is in your blood uh, when you grow up in Pittsburgh, just as it is, uh, you know, they say that a lot about Green Bay fans, about Packers fans, but we, it's, it's really also true in Pittsburgh. I grew up a Steelers fan. Um, I have early memories of my dad taking me to my first football game um, when I was just a kid, and that's mentioned in some of the, the biographical materials about uh, my book. So I was always a fan. Um, I, and I continue to, to appreciate the game. Uh, you know, one thing everybody always asks is, is if working on this book and, and all the research I've done related to head injuries and football effects changed the way I feel about the game. And I have to say, although I continue to really appreciate the game and I check scores, um, it has impacted the way I feel about the game. And, and, and I think probably one of the reasons is not just because of what happened to Owen, but in researching the book, I found out that one of my, um, you know, one of the Steelers that I always idolized, Mike Webster, he was kind of patient zero in, in the whole head injury CTE saga. You know, he was the person who was diagnosed with CTE, and Bennett Amalu, who was the researcher who first gave the condition the name chronic traumatic encephalopathy, he had performed the autopsy on Mike Webster's brain. And if you read about what happened to Mike Webster over the course of, of his life after he left football, it's really sad and it's really tragic. And at, at, at one point, you know, he's so ill and so falling apart that somebody runs into him somewhere and says, 
aren't you Mike Webster? And his answer was, I used to be. And I, I have never been able to forget that anecdote because that is, that is just such, such a tragic commentary on what the disease can do to someone. So, so to, that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> yes, I was a football fan, but my feelings about the game uh, have been tempered quite a bit by, by the research that I've done. Mm. Yeah, and I want to kind of circle back to that um, a little bit later as far as just football in general. But um, I guess uh, just to, to, to talk about Owen a little bit. And um, before I ask you some more questions, um, I just want to share my own experience of Matt and Owen. Um, so uh, Matt who is Owen's older brother. And I know that you know this, but just to share for people who, who don't know, Matt um, was adopted. So not Owen's brother by by, by birth, but um, he was a year older than I was. Um, and so he was the one who I knew the best. Um, and uh, about first grade through third grade, when the weather was nice, he would come over after school to play in the backyard with me um pretty much every day at least that's my memory um, at least when it was warm out like it seemed like he was always there we, were, we usually played soccer sometimes we played baseball or basketball but my memories we usually played soccer we would just take turns like one of us would be goalie and the other would shoot and then we would switch and he was just the the, the coolest guy ever to me like he was he was really nice to me even though he was like like bigger and stronger and just cooler <laughs> than I was. He he was always just really nice to me. Like even in high school and he became a football star and, you know, he's always like more popular, but he, he was just always really good to me. Like I never remember having an argument with him or anything and really funny guy too. And so I always have, have just uh, liked him and looked up to him and um, we didn't interact much in junior high or high school just because he was a year older and kind of, you just kind of had different different group of friends, um, but I would still, you know, talk to him and would see him. Um, we were in the track team together, and uh, would sometimes go over to his house and play basketball in, in his driveway. One interesting memory I have that kind of relates to your book a little bit is um, I remember when he was forced to give up soccer by his dad, and I want to say maybe he was in like sixth grade or seventh grade. Um, right. And uh, I was outside building a snowman, actually, in the backyard. I just heard this, like, screaming coming from the next door. Uh, and it, he was just screaming at, at Tom. And I didn't really know what was said or what was going on. But it was, you know, for quite a while, <laughs> there was a lot of screaming. And, and we, we found out later that it was because he had to give up soccer, and right, instead right. play football. And at the time, I thought it was more like he was like forced to play football, although your, your book kind of made it sound like it was more it was more about giving up soccer than it was playing football because of the the travel that was involved in the time commitments and, and that Tom and Kathy couldn't manage the, the soccer. But um, and if their only goal was to like have a successful athlete, I think football was the better sport for him as far as like he because he was he was a great football player and he was like kind of built as a football player. Soccer, my memory was that he was he was he was a good soccer player, but he wasn't like an elite soccer player. Um, and so in that sense, um, it was good for him, but it was clearly at the time not what he wanted. Right. Well, no. And, and you know what? When 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 we're kids, I mean, I speak it. I don't know if you're a parent, Nick, but, I, but I'm a yes, parent. Yes, I am. You know, some, sometimes when we're kids. 
you know, when we're kids, we can't see, we definitely don't understand our parents' point of view. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it just seems, things seem totally unfair that, that, you know, in retrospect, it's completely different. And I will say, too, that, that um, you know, Tom, and, Tom made it really clear that it wasn't a question of you are going to play football, partly because Tom actually, even though he himself was a pretty good football player who, who got to go to University of Virginia on a football on a football scholarship, he wasn't really that crazy about, about the game. <laughs> and so he would never have forced his boys to play it. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, he appreciated the game. He enjoyed the game. Um, but he never was crazy about playing it. He was forced by his dad, as you probably remember um, from reading the book, his dad insisted that he play so that, you know, that's the kind of thing sometimes when your parent insists on something, you you then won't do that to your own kids. But, you know, it's funny because then Matt was, as you've noted, he was a, he was a really standout as a football player. He, he held, he held a state rushing record. I don't know if, I don't think that record still stands, but I mean, to, at, at any point in somebody's career to hold a state record is, is really incredible. Well, yeah. Um, and he, he, he had this kind of like natural intensity, like when we would play basketball, like sometimes we would play one-on-one and I was more of a kind of like a finesse player. <laughs> um, and he was just kind of like, like power and like and, and and we would play on this rim in his driveway where you could dunk because it was a, a small rim and sometimes like I might be winning like nine to six or something like we were playing a 10 but whenever he needed to he would just like he, he almost kind of like like turned into a train <laughs> and so like oh, wow. like like he, he was losing and like he would just get the ball and just kind of like start like dribbling at me like a train basically and like dunking and 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 he he was just the kind of guy with just that kind of natural like kind of hustle he just kind of had that natural hustle that was just kind of like always on and just kind of like automatic like he didn't have to try to hustle it was just kind of like his and that's why i think he was such a good football player it just was so like natural to him Uh, did you ever get a chance to talk to him at all or um, he did not want to be interviewed for the book. Okay. Um, he, he, he declined to be interviewed for the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, he and, he and I have spoken, but he, you know, some people I did, I did speak to, but they declined to be included in the book. Okay. So, um, so that was, that was the case there. Um, you know, really, but as you mentioned, you know, he was, he was not only a great athlete, but because, you know, as an older brother, he was, he was a really big influence on Morgan and Owen. Yeah. Uh, and and them wanting to play because he was a really terrific player. And when you're when you're a younger brother and you see that, it's something that you really you really look up to. And in, you know, Morgan Morgan said it, and and every basically everybody did. Both Morgan and Owen, I, I pretty much idolized Matt, um, and so he really inspired them to want to play. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely a guy. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say that I idolized him, but like, I definitely really admired him and. I just appreciate the fact that he was just like, he just seemed like such a good guy. And I know, I know that he like, you know, wasn't perfect. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure how he was at home, but just like to me, he was always just like, just really nice. And like when he didn't have to be, he was also just, he had a lot of charisma. Like he's just like really funny guy. And I just enjoyed being around him. Um, as far as Morgan and Owen. So uh, Owen, I, I think was maybe about eight years younger than I was. And then Morgan, I guess, would have been like maybe like 1985 or he's about three years older uh, than Owen. Okay. No, no, he's only he's only about a year and a half. A old year? Old okay. Old. Okay. Um, he's uh, like two years older. Okay. Uh, two, yeah. 
So yeah, so my 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 memory of them like because of the age difference, it, it was not as if I was like f- like really like friends with them. But like, I guess I guess for, for Owen, one thing that stands out was just that, and, and you you touch on this in your book, but he was a really like scrawny little kid, <laughs> like you know, like whereas Morgan like was like built like a like a football player, and and and, and even at a young age, you could see yeah, Morgan's like a big kid, Owen was just kind of like a runt. Um, and so I remember it was always kind of weird to hear like, oh yeah, Owen is like a, is like a lineman. Like really Owen? Like, like that, that little kid, um, his, his hair was kind of memorable. I mean, he was, I would even call it almost like orange. My memory of it was like, just like bright orange hair. Oh um, yeah, it's really flaming. It's really flaming. Yeah. yeah. And, and so a few other memories, they would, Morgan and Owen would, run around naked in their backyard <laughs> like when they were little <laughs> like when they were well, that's little kids stuff, yeah like, like when they were toddlers um and so like and I, i'm not sure like what what was going on there or, or like what or like why, like why they did that but um like we like we'd go outside and look over and be like oh there's morgan and owen running around naked again <laughs> um uh so i mean so that was one thing i remember about them um one kind of random thing which is there's one time i was playing basketball with Matt, Owen, I think, was probably about five years old, um, and Morgan, so I guess it would then be about seven, and um, I remember Morgan was bothering Owen in some way or doing something Owen didn't like, and I just remember Owen over and over again saying, Morgan, it's not your house. It's not your house, Morgan. <laughs> for, for, some, for some reason, I, for some reason, I always remember that. I don't know why. It's just kind of a random memory. And then the, the final thing, which, again, you kind of like touched on in your book, at least you, you, you briefly mentioned it, was he broke uh, my, my parents' window with a, a BB gun. That was my parents. Um, yeah, that was my that was my parents. Yeah, and so when I read that in the book, I thought, oh, cool, we we made the book. Yeah. So what happened was my mom and I I didn't actually remember this. I might not have even been around, but I told my mom I was talking to you and I asked her to tell me that story again, and she said that she was in our family room and she heard a noise <laughs> and she went over to the window and saw that it was broken. And fortunately, like she did not get hit or the television did not get hit, but. Um, she could tell the window was broken, so she went outside and she saw Owen up in the tree. Um, and uh, he was, <laughs> she remembers him being maybe like around eight years old. Um, and she said, Owen, uh, what are you doing? And he said, shooting at birds. And she said, well, you just broke the window, um, so go inside and tell your dad what happened. And so he went inside and she was waiting and waiting outside for like five minutes and and nobody ever came to the door. So she, she knocked on the door and then Tom came and and she said, uh, did Owen tell you what happened? And he said, no, <laughs> he just like went upstairs. Um, <laughs> so then she said, like well, classic well kid stuff, right? yeah, yeah. So she said, well, he, he broke our window with a, a BB gun. And, and Tom said, well, I'll give you $25. And then my mom said, well, uh, you know, it's this is a double plated like Anderson window. It, you know, it's probably gonna be more, more than that. And so Tom said, "Okay, I will give you whatever whatever it costs." So, um, right. So yeah, that was the that was the story of the of the BB gun. Of the window. Well, you know, like one of the things that Morgan said was he said uh, Morgan said in retrospect he felt sorry for his parents for how mischievous they were because they were you know the classic you know those those two you know the younger brothers were the classic always always getting into mischief.
you know, there was a thing where they, where they, I think they, they broke a cars. I think that's the story in the book. Uh, bouncing a bouncing a ball across traffic and and hit a and hit a car's headlight. I think, you know, just just so many things. <laughs> so many things and uh that they got into yeah um, and then they also would uh moon the neighbors um so like or like or, or like the or, or, or i should say moon the cars going by so our neighbor who lived across the street we were talking to her <laughs> one time and we were over at her house and on her calendar where she had written like what was going on a particular day on on one of the days she had written a uh, free show <laughs> because because like morgan and owen i guess had had been mooning the in the in the front window as the, the cars went by so yeah they definitely parents definitely had their hands full they did uh, you would not uh ever if you didn't if you didn't know you would not ever guess that they were the kids of two ministers well and one thing that was interesting then from reading your book was i learned more about owen because even though we live next door that was really all that i i knew of of him kind of what i just told you i, I didn't really like our, our families while we were friendly we didn't like really like socialize so i didn't really know him well and it was interesting to just read the difference between like Morgan who was more laid back and Owen and even though Owen had a scrawny build initially um, your book makes clear that he was really intense and determined and he was one of those kids who like truly loved football and hitting people he, he didn't have to be told to like go and hit somebody like he he was just kind of like a natural football player Right. To, you know, he, he wanted to be a football player. And then, Absolutely. Yeah, and then one of the, I mean, there were a lot of interesting stories about him. One of the ones that really stood out to me that I thought was most interesting was you were talking to the Penn professor, and it shows Owen as someone who was pretty unique in his uh, Wharton Business School at Penn, uh, someone who was interested in, like, genuinely interested in other people and, like, making people better and wanting them to succeed and whereas in business school uh normally students are not that selfless but i thought it was interesting that that professor really identified owen as like a special kid um and somebody who like really stood out yeah well um adam adam grant and one of the things that you know like and i tried to give the context of this in the book you know adam grant actually is kind of a um, yes, he's a professor at Penn, but he's kind of a, a, a superstar in his own right. He's written several best-selling books, and he's pretty famous, and he, you know, he has a huge following on social media. But you know, Owen made an incredible impression on him. And um, to, to explain what an incredible, I, you know, I, as you mentioned, that comes across in the book clearly. However, I'll tell you an anecdote, a sort of behind-the-scenes story. So he, Adam Grant co-wrote a book with. Um, uh, with, uh, now, now her name is evading me. Um, Cheryl uh, Facebook. She's oh, uh, Cheryl Sandberg. It was Cheryl Sandberg um, about uh, option B after her after her husband who was who, right, right, uh, uh, who died very unexpectedly and very tragically. And Adam mentions Owen, tells an anecdote about Owen in the book Option B. And Option B is really about dealing dealing with losses in life and, and resilience and coming back from, from from tough from tough experiences. So he, he tells the story about Owen dying and how he wondered if he could have done something to, to help Owen. So when um, Option B came out before I, I had even finished my book or sold the book because I worked I worked on that book for, for more than seven years before it before um, it found a publisher. So 
like I said, Adam Grant, famous, go to his website, trying to figure out how to get in touch with him. For some reason, it did not occur to me that I should try to track down his email through the University of Pennsylvania. I sent him a message through his website, and when you send a message through the website, you get a message that says, I read all my messages, but please understand I may not be able to respond to all of them. And I thought, oh, great. Okay, I'm going to have to figure out a different way to get in touch with him. But I had sent him this email through the website, and the subject line of the email said, want to interview you for a book about Owen Thomas. Within a couple of hours, he responded and said he would be interviewed. And like I said, he, he you know, is interviewed by news media all over the country. He, he's, he's pretty well known. That said to me how strongly he felt about Owen as a person, and he really did. He really considered him an extraordinary young guy. And that's, that story is kind of, kind of really reflects what I was trying to get at um, about what drew me to tell this story and write this book. It was really the influence, the impact that Owen had on other people. It, it, it wasn't just he was a great football player. It wasn't just he had CTE. It, it was Owen the person that really made me want to write the book. And one thing that I was thinking about when reading the book was the concept of brotherhood in football. And it seemed like that was a theme that came up a lot was that these players who are Owen's friends and just football people in general really love the, the sense of brotherhood and camaraderie that comes with football. And it seems kind of similar to the military in the way it's talked about, just like the you know, like, like, like band of brothers and, uh, you know, the blood, sweat and tears and, you know, in the, in the trenches and you know, whatever all, all terminology. And I wonder if there's a way to replicate that feeling of brotherhood without the, the dangerous elements of football, or do you think the danger is what's required to, to have that bonding? Well, actually, I think that, um, it is absolutely possible to have that experience. Um, I, I mention in the book, and, and I'll, I'll uh, but I mention it just in passing, that there's um, there's a psychologist who, who studied the way that um, young men develop in American culture. His name's Michael Reichert, and he identifies the concept of the brother of experiencing a brotherhood um, as being really important, a really important experience in the in the lives of young men growing up. And, but he makes the point that the brotherhood can be, uh, you know, a group of, of guys who all grew up in the same neighborhood who hung out together all the time. You know, he makes the point that it can be that. In other words, the element of, you know, you mentioned the parallel between football and the military. The element of risk or danger, while I think it might intensify, it might intensify that feeling of, of the brotherhood or, or, the, or the relationship. It's not... 100% necessary in order for people to have that experience. Um, it's, it's absolutely not 100% necessary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do think there are ways to replicate it. Um, and, there are, and there are people who have gotten that experience in other ways. Are there any changes in football that you would like to see? Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's an extremely hard, hard question. I will, I will say this. I, I think, I think, you know, people who read my book need to know it's not, I, I think you come away from the book knowing that it's, it's a book 
issue. You know, I don't take a stand. We have to get rid of football <laughs> because I don't think I think football is too important in our in our society um, to us as fans as well as to people who play the game. So I, I think that there just need to be changes. I do think I do think one of the things that needs to change, and it is, there has been some progress made about this just by by educating people. I do think that boys should not be, or and if girls want to play as well, um, they shouldn't be playing tackle football, contact, you know, full contact football, um, too young. That's the that's the one uh, one of two key things they have found. They don't know why some people get get CTE and others don't, but one thing that they see as being clear is people who start younger and play longer start at a younger age play longer are at higher risk for developing it. Most of the people who have developed CTE started playing tackle football pretty young and played for a long time. So that's one thing I think really needs to change. Now it's kind of up to parents whether they allow their son to play, you know, starting at seven, you know, oh, and started at nine, but there are kids who start younger than that. I think it would be really great if basically they said nobody under the age of 13 can play tackle football because the, the part of the reason is because the neck isn't developed enough so that the way the head whiplashes is even stronger than when people are older. That's one thing. I mean, they've already started to do some of the other things that I think they, you know, they should have been doing all along on the college and, and well, high school, college, and pro level, and that's you know, taking people out of the game if they've had you know, a pretty bad hit to the head, and if they've had a concussion. Now there are really pretty good protocols for pulling somebody from the game, and, you know, for years it was pretty typical typical for people to go back into the game even if they suffered a concussion. So at least some of those things are in place, and that's been, I think, been a really positive thing. And what has the reaction to the book been from the Thomas family and from some of Owen's uh, close friends? I've gotten really, I've gotten some really, some really positive feedback from some of Owen's um, closest friends. A lot of them really were important in helping me to write the book and helping me to research the book. Um, Mike Say and Mark Quilling and Jamie Pagliaro and some others were really, you know, really important in helping me research the book. But I've had, I've had a lot of positive feedback. I have to say this: Reverend Thomas um, died in. 2019, and by that time I had found a publisher for the book, and I was really sad that he didn't live to see it published because both he and Reverend Brearley Owens, Reverend Kathy Brearley Owens' mom, were extremely supportive during the time that I worked on the book. Now, um, Reverend Brearley, I don't think the last time I spoke to her, which was a couple of months ago, she had not read the book yet. But they were they were extremely supportive about me writing the book. The same goes for Morgan. I think that so I haven't had specific feedback about how they feel about the book as it turned out. Um, I think people need to understand that that's a tragedy for that for that family. You know, the loss of Owen is a tragedy. So for them to relive that by reading a book, yeah, is 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 kind of difficult. So if anybody's surprised that. Reverend Brearley or um, Morgan have, uh, you know, as as I said, up until uh, up until the holidays, at least they had not read read the book, and it came out in September uh, 2020. Um, but as I said, they were extremely supportive during the time that I wrote 
I wrote the book. Truthfully, you can't write a book like that without the family support. I was also interested just to read about your um, description of Parkland School District. And I originally had thought you were more like of an outsider and I was going to get your your take just in general on Parkland. But now I know that you actually have lived in Parkland and sent your, your kid to Parkland. So you're more of an insider. But uh, yeah, I just was kind of interested to hear your thought about Parkland High School compared to other high schools. Because I have, I have my own thoughts, but I'd be interested to hear yours first. Um, interestingly enough, I just did. Uh, I just was really honored to be able to do a to do a virtual talk on, on on Zoom for Parkland Community Libraries. And one of the things I mentioned to, to them there is that it was a some journalists actually write books and they uh, it's called immersion. They go and they actually live in a community, or they if it's a if it's a book about like building houses, they go and they work on a on a, uh, a carpentry crew building houses with them. Um, in order to, to get that experience. So, you know, the fact that I lived in the Parkland School District, that was kind of like being immersed, like journalists do. But because I lived there for so long and because I had a child who went through the Parkland schools and went through Parkland High School, I was also really conscious that it couldn't be 100% my take on what Parkland is, is like. So I was careful to ask the Parkland friends, um, you know, Owen's friends, questions about the experience of being in Parkland. And I also talked to, to some teachers. You know, there's some teachers quoted in the book. And actually, there's some teachers who, um, you know, people end up on the, just like in movies, when you write books, books, people end up on the cutting room floor. They don't make it into the final version of the book. They're actually, I actually interviewed many more teachers who knew Owen than, than actually are quoted in the book. So I kind of, tempered my own take on, on Parkland with some of the feedback I got from other people. But interestingly enough, people are pretty consistent about what they say about the school district. And it basically comes down to this. It's a really great district with a lot of resources, but several things. It's a school district where there's a wide range of socioeconomic backgrounds in the district. The the high school tends to have a lot of separate subgroups within it. You know, there are the athletes, there are the arts and theater kids, you know, there are, you know, know, there's just different cliques, if you will, and that's how that functions. I had more than one person say that in the high school, uh, which is highly competitive, young people can get lost. They can have a hard time finding a place where they fit in. Like it's much easier for the athletes, or it's much easier for the super brain kids. Sometimes kids who are just, you know, if you're just average, you kind of like feel a, feel adrift, you know. And and this was this was both my take having a child go through the school district, and kind of the feedback I got from from everybody talking about it. You know that it's that's a that it's a highly competitive. Sometimes hard for young people to fit into, you know. Just it's it's that kind of a it's that kind of a school district and that kind of a high school. Yeah, uh, well said. I agree with all that. I I have kind of felt that Parkland is kind of like a more extreme version of high school. I mean, I think no matter where where you go to high school, like there's always going to be challenges, and it's not like it's easy at other places. But I do feel like Parkland 
is kind of like a different animal just as far as like how, how big it is in terms of like you mentioned the socioeconomic backgrounds and just the the geography like you go from like Lori's station to Foglesville I mean it's pretty far <laughs> far distance and um, yeah. I mean it's just like really big and a lot of kids and very competitive and it's it's a pretty intense environment and at least I felt that way 20 years ago yeah, it was interesting to just kind of reread about. I feel like I'm back in back in high school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's it's you know it definitely true. It's a pretty intense and it's a pretty intense environment. You know, interestingly enough, because it's that way, I was you know able to make some points about the kind of person Owen was. I I had more than one person say when I say I, I was careful to get you know other people's impressions of what Parkland was like. And more than one of his friends made the point that he had friends kind of in every group in that high school. And they would be the first one to say, which wasn't typical of all the football players, that's just the way Owen was. So I was able to really draw on those things to say some things about the kind of person that Owen was. All right. Well, I appreciate your time and talking to me. I really enjoyed the book and talking to you and uh yeah just thank you very much oh nick thank you so much i really appreciate your interest i really i really do and i'm i'm honored that you want to try to relaunch your podcast <laughs> yeah. About my book. yeah very honored yeah thank you yeah i think part of it is i just have not haven't really been as motivated to like read books in my my spare time and but when i do find a book that i read that i like and i uh, then we'll try to reach out to the author, but I just haven't, I just haven't been reading that many books lately, but I do enjoy these podcasts and hopefully, yeah, maybe this will help, help get me, get me going again. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate your interest. All right. Well, you, you have a great day and stay warm. Okay. You as, you as well out there in Wisconsin. Take care. All right. Thanks, thanks, Vicky. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thanks to Vicky for talking to me. Uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. Once again, the name of the book is Growing Up on the Gridiron, Football, Friendship, and the Tragic Life of Owen Thomas. Thank you for listening.